Hey everybody, Anson here. In our last episode, actor Ethan Peck shared with us a harrowing near-death experience. And it occurred to my co-host Brandon and I that we have a couple of near-death stories of our own. Brandon's we'll get to in a minute, but mine... Well, you can watch it in the comfort of your own living room. I'm not kidding. When I was in my late 20s, I got a phone call from my manager that made me scream at the top of my lungs because she told me that I was going to get to work with Robert De Niro. I mean, come on. Who gets a call like that? The movie was called City by the Sea, and I was set to play a young detective in the NYPD's homicide division, while De Niro played an older, more experienced perhaps even jaded detective whose partner gets murdered in the first act of the film and I come to be in charge of the investigation. Anyway, we were shooting up in the Yonkers police station and we had to do a scene which required the use of their jail cells. The scene was this. De Niro and I, having gotten a tip on the shooter, go to talk to the tipster who's being held on some unrelated charges. We go up to the cell to ask him who the shooter was and the shooter fingers De Niro's son, played by James Franco, And De Niro, upon hearing this, is supposed to then take a swing at the guy, then I'm supposed to pull him back, push the tipster back into the cell, and tell the officers to close the door. Simple enough, right? Yeah. Now, I just want to pause here and say something important. I blame no one for what then transpired. Certainly not Robert De Niro, certainly not the director, certainly not the production. It was an easy mistake to make. In fact, If anyone should have caught on to the potential safety hazard, it was me. But, you know, I'm 28 at the time, not very experienced, and I'm terrified of even opening my mouth around someone who I happen to think is one of the greatest actors ever. So, to all the young actors who may be listening right now, please keep in mind that movie sets are dangerous places, and if you see something, say something. Because what I'm about to tell you will illustrate how quickly and easily you can die when you are engaged in the hubristic attempt to create a little piece of reality on film. Okay? So, it comes time to do the scene, and the police officer in charge of the holding cells needs to relay some information, and not being that experienced with how film sets work, he has to speak to the actor who's giving the order to close the cells. In other words, me. And he proceeds to tell me the following. Okay, so these cells here, they got two positions, open and closed, and there is no in-between. In other words, when we push this here button and close them up, you better make sure every piece of you is out of the way or it's going to come out nice and flat. I just nodded. That should be easy enough to remember. Now, what I should have done was to make the first AD, the person who actually runs the set, aware of what I had just learned. But... Like I say, young and too stupid to know I'm stupid. Next, I find out that De Niro doesn't want to rehearse the scene. He'd rather just do it. Again, I think little of this because I just assume he just wants to keep things moving. What I should have realized was that he was clearly in the corner getting himself psyched up for something. (laughs) So the director talks us through the beats and we roll camera. De Niro and I walk in. I tell the cop to open the cell door. He does. And the tipster walks up to talk, with the cell's doorway directly between us. We ask him who he saw kill De Niro's partner, and he says the name of De Niro's son. Now, 
In my head, what's supposed to happen next is that De Niro takes a swing, the guy gracefully dodges, I take Bobby D confidently by the arm, signal for them to close the cell, and the scene moves on. That is not what happened next. What happened next is that De Niro basically turns into a mountain lion. Every cell in his body moves like lightning, and I, Anson, not the character I'm playing, thinks that he is literally going to kill the other actor. Or at least that's what my instinct thinks, because I immediately try to wedge myself between the two actors, and it's impossible. It's like trying to pry a, well, a mountain lion off its prey. I somehow manage for the cop to close the door, and it starts to close. And that is when a very interesting thought <laughs> passes through my brain. Robert De Niro has no idea what I know about that cell door. <laughs> if I try to pull out of this and just save myself, or any one of us or all of us could easily lose balance, slip in these leather shoes we're wearing, and fall, giving us little time to escape a closing vice that nobody realizes is a closing vice. It wasn't even really a decision. I just planted myself got a firmer grip on De Niro, and somehow managed to push him away. I barely got my shoulder and arm out of the way in time. You, you can actually see me squirm in space to make it out. And somehow, I continued with the scene. And I can guarantee you that if you go and watch City by the Sea, you will see this moment. Why? Because the director was so happy with the realism we'd achieved that that was the only take we did. <sighs> My gut still quivers every time I think about it. No kidding. Today, we're lucky to be here. Welcome to the well. have a story mm -hmm. about a near-death experience that I thought would be fun for us to hear. Fun. A fun near-death experience. Yeah. Because there's nothing funnier than a near-death experience. <laughs> what is it? It's a good one. It? It's a good story. I don't know which story this is. Which time did I almost... In high school. Oh, the car? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. I just got my driver's license. I was driving to school in the morning. And it's a road I've driven up, you know, gone up and down that road a million times, either with my parents driving or, you know, fewer times with me driving because I just got my license. I was driving a huge Ram Charger truck. And I, it was the dumbest thing. I was on a, I'm the, probably the only person who could wreck like this because, like, no one else was involved. Like, nothing <laughs> happened. <laughs> Nothing happened. I just—it was almost as though it's like an episode of The Simpsons, where Homer just is, wants to be a farmer, and just when he gets near the tractor, it just flips over on him. Uh, I, I was just going down a straightaway, uh, down Horseleg Creek Road in Rome, Georgia. I should, I should put a marker there to commemorate this event. And uh, the—it's <laughs> so weird. The 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 rearview mirror just fell off of my windshield. It was one of those things that was kind of glued to the windshield. And it just fell off. And I was like, oh, crap. Reached over 
okay, it's a big car. So now the rear view mirror is pretty far away from me. And I'm reaching over, reaching over, reaching over to pick up the rear view mirror. And the whole time the wheel is starting to like drift off to the right. And there's like no shoulder on this road. Mm. It's just like, there's a white line and then it just kind of drops off very quickly on either side. And uh, I, and I feel the right tire go off the road. And then I don't remember if I actually reached the, the rear view mirror or not. I don't remember. And I look up and I was like, Oh my God, I'm going off the road and being a new driver. I didn't know how to react. I just yanked the wheel to the left, and now I'm going straight over to the left side of the road. I was like, oh, now I'm going straight into a ditch. So now I really whip the wheel the other way to the right, and then I, like, fishtail. It's a top-heavy car. I start to tip over. I roll, and I remember having this very distinct thought of, like, uh, as I went kind of sideways in the road and started to flip over onto my side, looking at the road coming at me from a very unusual angle. All right. I don't normally see the road perpendicular to my window. <laughs> <laughs> and it's coming at me. And I'm like, well, that's and I le- I had the thought, the, the 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 rational thought in my mind, that's weird. You know, like here comes the road <laughs> through my window. That's strange. And uh, and then like pow, hit, flip, pow, flip again, pow, flip. <laughs> And uh, then land upside down uh, in a ditch, sort of like off the shoulder of the road. Not a huge ditch, but I'm I'm upside down, and I'm and the first and oh, I had I skipped a part. Like around the time that I was starting to flip over, I had another thought next to right after. Oh, this is weird. I had another thought, which was, well, I guess I'm just going for a ride now. <laughs> Because I knew I had no control, I I had given up. The, like I like had the steering wheel for a while. I'm like pff, I'm like okay. I am completely just let's see what happens. I'm not in control of this thing at all anymore. Hopefully things end up okay. <laughs> and I'm having these thoughts as I'm flipping over, and then I land, uh, you know, I land upside down, and then I had. Again, what's so you're strange? Ups, you're upside down. I'm upside down. Are you are you connected to your seatbelt? Yes. So you're, okay, so you're just hanging. There. I'm just I'm just hanging there. And I have. And what's so strange about this whole story is how rational all of these like little thoughts are that I'm having along the way, and and then my next thought is like, well, I'm not going anywhere now. <laughs> I guess this is the end of the road. <laughs> and. And the engine is still going. And I reach up and I grab the... And I remember I had this long keychain with an eyeball on one end of it. Right, right, and it's right. upside down because I'm upside down. So it's pointing in the other direction. Gravity is, is all reversed. And I reach over and I pull... I turn off the engine and pull the key out of the uh, ignition and put it in my pocket. Because <laughs> that's what you normally do, you know? <laughs> that's Some parts I was trying to like get back to normal. So I thought, what do you normally do when I park the car upside down in the ditch? I just put the keys in my pocket, and then I stop my music. Mm. Um, actually, no, I got, that re- I got that backwards. I stopped the music first. Okay. Because otherwise it would have stopped, and I pulled out the key ignition. I stopped the music. It was Dead Kennedys. Uh, I can't remember which song it was, but the album was Plastic Surgery Disasters. And eject the tape. <laughs> then I untaped the ignition out, put the key in my pocket, 
And now I can't get out of the car because the, uh, during the roll, it bent uh, enough. It bent something in the door f- that I couldn't open it. It was lo- unlocking, locking, and I couldn't get it open. And then this guy, I'll n- I still know who this guy is. To this day, I don't know who it is. Somebody who was behind me and saw this happen uh, walks up uh, onto the, to the sort of the high shoulder on the other side of the ditch and grabs the door and yanks it completely off, you know. He disappears and doesn't even say, I don't, I don't remember him saying anything. Um, and I I get out and I'm sort of trembling. I remember my knees kind of knocking and like, oh my God, oh my God, the adrenaline's pumping. And I, like, I just want to like rest, you know, find something to like steady myself on. So I go over to a fence that's right, you know, there's like a, a pasture right next is like sort of farm country and I go over to Lenius's fence and it's electrified. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, like, I just want to, I just need to settle down. I just need to, oh my God, man, I should not have gotten out of bed today. You know, like everything's going wrong. And, uh, and then, uh, uh, a girl I went to high school with Mary, Oh no! I'll say Mary Kay McCarty. Is that her name? Could be. Um, she shows up and she was really scared. She's like, I think she saw the car flip over too. And she runs up to me and gives me a big hug. The first person on the scene was the photographer for the Rome News Tribune, the newspaper. He shows up first. It takes a couple of pictures. Asks me if I'm okay. I'm like, Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm okay. And uh, the next person that shows up is this guy in a pickup truck with one of those little, like, little plastic blue and white first aid kits, mm-hmm. you know, like like tiny little things. Right. And he's very excited to use it, I guess. And he runs up at me, and I have a very small cut uh, on my lip from some flying glass or something. And he hands me some gauze, and I push the gauze into my face, and I'm, I keep trembling and dropping it. And he's like, no, 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 I've got another one. And he keeps pulling out new gauze for me to put on my face and then drop into the dirt and then hands me another one. And... I'm holding this, and then the ambulance shows up. The ambulance shows up, barely comes to a stop. Drive, it's like a drive-by. They go by, and they're like, hey, you all right? And this dude with a little white and blue plastic box goes, I got him. <laughs> and then they leave. <laughs> so, like, oh, well, there went that. <laughs> Southern ambulance. Yes, yeah, right. You all right? You all right? Yeah. yeah. No, no. And, and I didn't even I didn't, I, and I didn't say anything. Some other dude was like, he's fine. I got him. I'm like, all right, he's probably fine. Bye. So they leave, and uh, then the cops show up. And now the cops want to know how, you know, the usual questions, how fast was I going? What was I doing? Oh, and by the way, what's with all of the... F- <laughs> The fully automatic weapons in the back of your truck. <laughs> like, oh, that's right. Um, oh, let's see. <laughs> They're not. I know. They look super real, right? They're not. It's for a play. They're props. You can check them. Those are not real machine guns. First of all, why would I be running around with a Sursa 1942 German fully automatic weapon? <laughs> Well, I guess that's possible, actually. But they had to double check, and I just thought it was very strange because I was, I was, my head was elsewhere, and like my car was full of dirt, and uh, uh, the cops are kind of grilling me about how fast I was going and the weapons in my car, and which weren't weapons. 
there were models. And then at that point, uh, I think my parents showed up. Someone had called them because this is only like three miles from my house. And then my parents showed up and they were surprisingly good humor. Uh, they weren't panicked or anything. I remember my dad smiling a lot. <laughs> and uh, and then I, I at least thought I got the day off. You know, I thought, well, I'm it's clearly today is shot. You know, like it started out terribly. <laughs> I flipped my car over and grabbed an electric fence. I should just go back home. Uh, and they're like, no, you're still going to school. Oh, man, it gets worse and worse. <laughs> I'm still going to school. <laughs> and, uh, I, I went, and I went straight to school. I, don't, I think I was like late to first period by like 20 minutes or something like that. Turns out I probably did have a little bit of a concussion because when I flipped over, my head banged into the the frame, the door frame. Uh, and now here's the spooky part. I went to school, so I went to school that day, and didn't go to my after school thing. I don't remember. Maybe that was not after school. We had we had like a, a ninth period kind of a thing, like ropes course or gym or whatever. Mine was newspaper. I was the editorial cartoonist, and uh, Mr. Bug, Bill Bug, was the advisor, and I didn't see him at all that day of the wreck, and I didn't see him all day the second day. The first time I saw Bill Bug was, you know, basically 48 hours later, roughly, day and a half later. And I walk into the newspaper office and he looks up and he sees me and he turns white and he walks past me. He doesn't look at me. He, doesn't, he, he kind of looks at me a little bit, but he just walks past me and just walks out of the room. And I'm like, what was that about? And somebody else is freaked out, too. And they're like, he thought you were dead. And it turns out, um, after that Rome News Tribune photographer, last name of O'Mara, I believe, um, after he took the picture of me and my car flipped over car, he got another call. Another student at a different school had done the same thing, flipped over, and died. Uh, uh, impacted a tree and it flipped over in a very similar way than me but when his car slid I slid into a ditch he slid roof first into a tree and the tree came in through the cab and crushed the cab wasn't it the same car it was very similar it was it was it was a covered uh, large sort of SUV thing mine, mine was a Ram Charger his was almost identical um, yeah it was almost identical and again, Bill, you know, Mr. Bug knew what kind of car I drove. He had heard the day before that I had been in a car accident. And then the newspaper the next day read with a picture of what he thought was my car, you know, local teen killed on his way to school. So he thought I was dead. Oh, and uh, that's where, you know, I, I, I don't feel like the accident was so much a near-death experience, but... Um, but it was a near, but for, but for Bill Bug, it was, I, I was, to him, I was dead. And I don't know, I never talked to him about, because uh, I owe a lot to Bill Bug. He, he entered me into all of these editorial cartoon contests and, that won me these awards and stuff that I wouldn't have done if he didn't push me to do it. Um, you know, he were, he and I were, you know, 
as friends as friendly as you can be and as a in a high school teacher and student can be but i never asked him what that what that i think it was really about like probably five or six hours must have been like for him because he read the newspaper that morning and went through his day teaching his classes thinking i was dead until i walked into the newspaper room let's call him yeah we should call him yeah yeah I had never, never thought of it. Yeah. I think he's headmaster somewhere now. He's, he's, I know he's done well, but I can't remember. I don't know exactly where he is. out to Bill Bug for comment, but we didn't hear back. We assume he's busy educating young minds, so Bill, if you hear this, thanks for doing what you do. The Well is produced, recorded, and edited by Brandon Edgens and myself, Anson Mount. Theme music by Jonathan Myberg. The song you heard at the beginning was Dans Macabre by Camille Saint-Saëns, performed by Kevin McLeod and provided under a Creative Commons Universal License. The song you're hearing now is Dead from the Beginning, Alive till the End by Dr. Turtle, and it's provided under a Creative Commons attribution license. If you like our podcast, do us a favor. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download your podcasts. Reviews help us by helping more people find the well. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back later this week with the first installment of our interview with legendary creature actor Doug Jones. We'll see you then.